1: for a seven-day free trial.
2: Today's cool fact of the day is about ketosis. Did you know that your alcohol tolerance is severely lowered while you're in ketosis? There are a couple reasons for that. The first is that the alcohol you drink when you're in ketosis will get metabolized immediately before your body keeps burning ketones for energy. And the carbs in your system that are normally used to, quote, soak up alcohol in the stomach and slow down the intoxication process probably won't be there if you are drinking while you're in ketosis. Uh, not to mention, it's difficult to stay in ketosis while you're drinking. So you got to ask yourself, you know, is it really worth it to have uh, beer, which is going to take you out of ketosis, or red wine, which is going to take you out of ketosis, or vodka, which may or may not take you out? I don't really think it's worth it. You don't get a lot of performance benefits from those things, but they can be fun. Uh, they, there are lots of other ways to have fun, though, too, as well.
1: What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, There is. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD+.
2: It's what I use. So I'm excited, and we're going to talk about how to go even deeper in today's show with ketosis. Because our guest is Dr. Richard Veach, who's a senior researcher and laboratory chief at the National Institutes of Health and winner of the NIH Director's Award, which is very prestigious. He's been working to understand the mechanisms behind cellular energy homeostasis for the last 47 years. He's got two degrees, a doctorate of medicine from a little university you may have heard of called Harvard, and is the foremost researcher of, an expert of all things ketone esters, uh, Dr. Veach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, what did you do before you became a medical doctor? What What did you study as, in your undergrad that, that maybe give you a different perspective compared to the average average just doctor?
3: Well, as an undergraduate at the university, I studied history and literature, <laughs> and uh, which was a very interesting department. It was founded by a chemist, Charles Y. Elliott, who decided that everyone that was educated need to have knowledge of the Bible, Shakespeare, Greek history, Greek tragedy, Russian novel, and a foreign language. <laughs> so you had three-hour three oral exams. It was, it was very good, very good, very good undergraduate education. So you started out with uh,
2: something that, that isn't traditional for someone who went to medical school, and you also, along the way, got a PhD in, as a research biochemist as well, right? That's right,
3: yes. I. I did that after I was at my residency in medicine. There
2: are very few physicians who also study biochemistry at that level. Why did you decide to do that? I mean, that, that's—I don't want to say almost unheard of, but it's so rare, and it gives you such a different perspective on things. What what made you go to that level of of effort?
3: Well, if you've been an intern and resident, and you've seen a few people die, you realize that you really don't know very much at all. and You better go learn some more. So uh, that's what I did. And I looked at a bunch of different labs. And I ended up going to a lab that I thought was the best in the world. And I think that was right. It was at Oxford. And I studied with Sir Hans Krebs. And uh, he is, I think, still the best biochemist of the century. And, uh yeah. So that, that's where I learned my biochemistry.
2: And for people listening, this is none other than the guy who discovered the Krebs cycle, which is why it's named after him, right? That's right. Uh, th- this is the core of how our, our, our cells make energy via ATP. In my own uh, losing of 100 pounds and, and getting my brain back, I read all of Krebs things and everything I could about the, the citric acid cycle to find ways to make it work better. And wow, if you fix your mitochondria and improve their performance, even a small percentage, it just pays dividends everywhere in your body. And and that's why I I, I was amazed. Like, you actually studied with the man.
3: Well, the the essence of what we're saying and and how ketones work is precisely in the Krebs cycle. And many, many diseases, for instance, you're to be congratulated for losing 100 pounds. People that are overweight have an impaired Krebs cycle. They have an impairment yeah. in their pyruvate dehydrogenase, and it just doesn't work very well. Now ketones bypass that block at PDH, and so all the things we're saying about ketosis, are, you know, are applicable to type two diabetes. They're applicable to injury, to infection, and even a number of diseases. For instance, Alzheimer's disease is a block in PDH in the brain, and so. It's a, it's, a, it's a central gateway into the Krebs cycle, but it's very easily disturbed. And when it's disturbed, you can get around that disturbance by giving ketones. And so the only other thing I'd say is ketones. Doctors tended to fear ketones were discovered in the, in Germany in the 1880s and people were afraid of them because they knew about Diabetic ketoacidosis. On the other hand, a man named George Cahill, who was professor of medicine at Harvard, showed that the brain, the only substance that the brain could use to produce energy aside from glucose, was ketones. And he further showed that really ketones occur normally when you starve. So if I starve you for five days, your ketones go up to seven millimolar. And this allows you. To live, uh, man is the only animal that gets ketosis normally. And that's because you've got this very huge brain that you've got to support. And if you had to support on glucose, you'd be dead in six days. As it is, a normal weight man can live 76 days, an obese man can live <laughs> almost indefinitely. <laughs> so, uh, so that's really the substance of ketosis. There's nothing dangerous about it. It's the normal state of man. Before uh, we had McDonald's on every corner, we we fasted in between the time we were chasing the mammoth and we caught the mammoth. And you, in order to do that, you needed to be, be ketotic. And that's why we have ketosis. Now,
2: now, when you say there's nothing dangerous about ketosis, I I, I wonder, I know uh, many people who can go in ketosis, and they stay there for years, and, and they're happy as clams. Uh, when, when I tried an experiment of, of extreme low carbs, like like one serving of vegetables a day, the rest fat and, and some protein, trying to kind of mimic an Inuit-style diet, uh, I didn't do so well. I ended up in, in my book recommending cyclical ketosis, where you go into ketosis, you come out. You go in, you come out, rather than constantly being in, in heavy ketosis. Uh, do you think there are, are risks to being in ketosis for long periods of time, or is it something that just works for most people, and, and I'm an exception on that one?
3: No. Uh, some Canadians, the name of whom I can't remember right now, studied the Inuit diet, and they uh, they ate just nothing but fat and meat, nothing but fat and meat, and they felt really sick and didn't do very well. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's kind and, of what happened uh, to me.
3: They, yeah, they they couldn't figure out what it was. Well, it turns out when you go up and look at the Inuits, they they drink the broth, so they're eating a large amount of salt, and so they can get away with it. But if you if you do what you think the Inuits are doing, which they didn't do, you don't do very well. <laughs> you feel sick. Yeah, I can't remember the man's name. Though, but I, I those think, are.
2: I think I read that too. And there's also the so-called animal starch collagen. Uh, which, which functions in the gut as a, as a fermentable substrate for bacteria to make uh, 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 short-chain saturated fats. Yeah. And I think I, I, at the time I wasn't using my collagen or and I wasn't making bone broth. And the Inuits were definitely boiling whale bones and doing all the other <laughs> yeah, crazy sure stuff. Right. So, so I, I think I made some mistakes there. But the, the core thing there, even if we're not going quite to the Inuit side of things, uh, I've talked to Dominic D'Agostino, who I have great respect for, and, and many of the other researchers in this field so I, I was an early ketone advocate, and I, I still don't know the answer. I, I, I realize that to reach the maximum number of people going in and out of ketosis seemed to be the broadest thing to provide benefits, but I still don't have, uh, from any expert, uh, uh, kind of a, everyone should go in ketosis and stay there most of the time, or not, or it's safe for everyone to do it, but it's up to them. What's your take? I mean, you have more experience in this than almost anyone I've I've met.
3: Well, uh, you know, it depends how you do ketosis. Okay. If if you're doing it with a very very high mm. fat diet, people can't do it very long yeah. because it's so un- unpalatable; they can't stand it, or they get nauseous, or they get diarrhea. So, yeah, uh, that's one way. If you're if you're just starving and eating water and whatnot, uh, you, there's no problem with it. Uh, okay, and in fact you're very hungry for the first four or five days. After about five days, you're no longer hungry. <laughs> yeah.
2: I know that when I'm doing a, a normal high-fat diet, that hunger thing, the, the induction period again in ketosis that Atkins, I think, first popularized, yes. it, it just it makes you feel, they call it like the flu, you feel really crappy. And, yeah. and what I've been doing for the past oh, 10 years or so is, is kind of short-circuiting that because... Uh, I finally found the research that I think explains it, that when you have a level of just 0.5, a pretty far cry from 7 millimolar, your CCK and your uh, your ghrelin, these are your hormones for fulfillment and for feeling full, and your, your craving hormone, your hunger hormone, they get shifted by just a small amount of ketone. You're, you're not quite in nutritional ketosis, but you're way higher than normal. And all of a sudden, all the carb flu things that I was used to having where I just feel crappy <laughs> they just went away because my hunger, like I wasn't craving, I wasn't hungry. I, I didn't care about food the first day I did it, and that comes from putting uh, brain octane, which goes to BHB, which then goes to ketones in bulletproof coffee. So there's no carbs, and there's something that just gave me a little bump of ketones, not a big bump, and and that seemed to help. But what you're talking about is getting huge bumps of, of ketones because. You're, we know there are three kinds of, of, of ketones that are used differently in the body. Can you go into more about the different kinds of ketones
3: and, and that hunger suppression thing?
4: Well, uh, the,
3: the suppression of hunger really is a function of beta-hydroxybutyrate. Acetoacetate doesn't work very well. And the third thing that's called a ketone is acetone. It really shouldn't be called a ketone. It's very small in amount, and it has a completely different metabolic pathway. So you've got two major forms of ketones ketone bodies one is called beta hydroxybutyrate and one is called acetoacetate now if you eat a lot of acetoacetate uh wow. it can be metabolized but it it it, it doesn't have the energy that beta hydroxybutyrate how it's going to go in uh, how would i go about eating acetoacetate well you can buy it there are people that make esters with it okay uh, and I don't recommend it. The okay. Re- reason is Krebs in, in the late 1960s showed that you could take a heart that wasn't working and, and perfuse it with acetoacetate and did just fine. If you did a working heart and you perfused it with acetoacetate, it failed immediately, Ooh. instantly. And so, but if you fed it beta-hydroxybutyrate, it pumped normally, mm-hmm. and that's the what we did in the Sato paper. Now the reason is it's going in the mitochondria, and when, when the ketone body goes in the mitochondria, and you're giving it acetoacetate, I have to get a little technical. Okay. The NAD couple gets oxidized, and so you with beta-hydroxybutyrate it gets reduced. And the remarkable thing about metabolizing beta-hydroxybutyrate is you reduce the NAD, but you oxidize the next step up the Q. And so you increase the redox span between NADH and Q, and that determines the energy of ATP. So uh, this is why you get more energy. It's why the heart gets 38 or I can't remember 38 percent more energy when it's metabolizing ketone bodies than it is when it's metabolizing glucose. And uh, I I told a very famous biochemist named Henry Lardy who. Ran the Enzyme Institute, of University of Wisconsin. I said, Dr. Lardy, I've increased the energy of the heart by 38 <laughs> percent. I said, I, he said, I don't believe you. I said, well, all right, what number do you want me to change? <laughs> there, there's just pressure and volume. And that's joules. <laughs> then he looked back at his own work on. He, he was involved in preserving bull sperm for mm-hmm. the dairy industry, and he found that beta hydroxybutyrate was the best substrate he, he came across. He couldn't understand why. Well, Now I'm telling you why that happens.
2: It's because mitochondria love that stuff and sperm are incredibly, incredibly high <laughs> in mitochondria because they have to swim or they don't they
3: survive.
4: Have
3: <laughs> That's right. And, and if you're trying to impregnate a cow, it's very important that you have healthy sperm. Uh, and <laughs> So the dairy industry was very happy. Lardy didn't... Didn't, he, he had a question in his notebook. He showed me, why does this happen? <laughs> he never went into it, but I just told you the reason that it happened. So,
2: so what I've discovered in my own life is, is I, I take a precursor to BHB. Uh, that's brain octane. And, and I have never heard the 38% number before, but I, I feel it's such a huge performance upgrade because the, the place with more mitochondrial density than the cardiac system is the prefrontal cortex, and I actually found studies of mitochondrial density. They're actually hard to find. Uh, and I, I did a ton of this when I was writing my uh, Bulletproof Diet book to explain why do I feel like I got my brain back when I do this versus why I don't. And I think you just named a number that I didn't have in my research, which was kind of annoying. <laughs> but 38% better from having BHB present versus having just glucose present.
3: That's correct. Okay. And, 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 uh, uh... MCTs, uh, or mid-chain triglycerides, and, and they do, 10, 10% of that fat goes directly into the mitochondria and is directly converted to ketone by 90% is metabolized by beta-oxidation.
2: So, doesn't that depend on which MCT it is? Because lauric acid, uh, yeah, uh, acid doesn't work at all, which is the most common MCT.
3: Oh, eight the 8 is the maximum to get the maximum that, uh, heat on that, body production. that's what's
2: in brain octane all it is is 8 i take i take away the 10 CNC and 12 eight. and 6 yeah
3: sure well i mean uh, people like mary newport uh, recommend the c12 because it tastes good coconut oil tastes good yep. <laughs> from a biochemical point of view uh we don't care if it tastes good or <laughs> it, It's true, and there's
2: no flavor to see it when it's properly distilled. You can't taste anything it's It's a flavor enhancer, but by itself it's it's even less than like a canola oil in terms of flavor. but it I would eat it if it tasted like you know rat liver. It doesn't matter because <laughs> you feel different and, and that's my, my whole ethos. I'd, I'd eat a bowl of gravel uh, for breakfast if that's what made me feel like this. But what, what what you've done though is is in forty seven years of research you've also worked with some some other guys like Dr George Cahill uh, who's one of the the main things can you tell me some some of the stories about Dr George Cahill and and your work with him at, in discovering all these things
3: Well George Cahill really this work all comes from George Cahill uh, because he uh, as I told you. Uh, was the first man to show that the brain could use ketone. Before that, before his time, it was thought it could only use glucose. He showed yeah. that it could use ketones. Now, he uh, then was a good friend of Krebs and was at a meeting in Indianapolis. And uh, he asked Krebs what the redox state of the NADP system was. And no one knew. Mm. And so when I got to Oxford, Krebs called me in and said, "That's your that's your project. Tell me what the NADP, NADP, the free ratio of NADP, NADPH is, because that's involved in all fat and reducing free radicals. So I worked for a year and finding out the answer about it, and I showed it to Krebs, and he said, Well, that can't be right. I said, Well, it is right. <laughs> he didn't say anything. But about two weeks, he thought about it for two weeks, and he we came back and he started writing, and that was the longest paper he ever wrote. And that Paper shows the relationship between the redox states of the three great nucleotides and how they're related to ATP. Because the energy of ATP is derived as redox energy. And so, another fact that ketones do, aside from increasing the energy of ATP, is they, in- they increase the reducing power of the NADP system. So if you have increased free radicals say in Parkinson's disease, mm-hmm. or amyotrophic sclerosis, or in a nuclear bomb, this will protect you from that radiation, and, uh, and that's a major effect. The only third major effect of ketones is their ability to decrease inflammatory reactions, which is a different mechanism.
2: Oh, the, the anti-inflammatory effects of ketones, I, I learned about those in a paper just a little while ago and was blown away, but the anti-radiation effects I had no idea. Does this protect you from all forms of radiation?
3: Yeah, what you call ionizing radiation, yes. So
2: basically around Fukushima, we should be dosing everyone with anything that raises ketones. Oh, my God. Uh, Okay, the Bulletproof Diet, I just sold 100,000 copies of the Bulletproof Diet in Japan without trying. And I'm so thankful you said that because when I go to Japan to talk about this, I can talk about this because no one, no one's offered a, any kind of protection for ionizing radiation. You, you, uh, you just blew no, me away, com- Doctor Beach. <laughs> the,
3: the, the Tokyo Power Company. I actually am a good friend okay. of you, a Japanese scientists, and they really weren't that interested in it. Oh wow! Why? Uh, and that's, uh, I don't think quite oil. But what I was interested in it was the, the question of nuclear terrorism. Okay, it seems very. Likely sooner or later that we're going to have a rogue nuclear bomb sitting in Lafayette Park across from the White House, and uh, and we have nothing to protect our policemen. Or uh, if you're if you're within a mile of a ten megaton bomb, you're dead. Yeah, you're just you're your ashes. Right. Uh, but now it's it's in this area outside of that where you're getting the fallout that you'll make a difference, and. So I'm very interested that this be used for uh, wow. be used for radiation protection, <laughs> but then be stockpiled. I,
2: I, I'm blown away. My grandparents met on the Manhattan Project uh, in Chicago, oh, really? and they moved to Los Alamos. My grandmother's a nuclear engineer. My grandfather's a PhD bio biochem- or not biochemist a PhD physical chemist. And uh, I have never and I'm like, like a ketone guy. I, I've never heard this before, Doctor Veach. Uh, like. <laughs> You're blowing me out of the water here. This is so cool. Well,
3: uh, there's more correlations than that. Cahill's wife was the daughter of Crawford Greenwell, and Crawford Greenwell was the CEO of DuPont, and he's the one that built the plant at Hanford. Mm-hmm. And, and when and so all of our ability to produce nuclear bombs in the Second World War came from Crawford Greenwell. He was he wrote the definitive book on the hummingbird. He ran DuPont. He did that in the morning before he went to become CEO uh, to run DuPont. Britton Chance and I went up to visit his lab. They named a lab for him at in Wilmington. And all he wanted to talk about was Alzheimer's disease because his wife had Alzheimer's disease. Now that was, I can say this now because they're both dead. Cale's wife, uh, was a, the granddaughter of Crawford Greenlaw, and she subsequently died of Alzheimer's disease. Wow! And uh, of course, he was important in the uh, Manhattan Project. Very, very. And uh, so, uh, and and I'm sure he would have been not surprised at all. He was a very, very smart man. Wow! <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. Uh, the, the connections
2: there go, go so far back. Uh, that that lab at Hanford used uh, a process, I think it was called the, the Permex, Permutex. Uh, that process for separating plutonium is what my grandfather invented. Is that right? <laughs> it's still used today. Well, oh, my God. It, uh,
3: per, Permex, I forgetting his name. But... <laughs> if, uh, if uh, you know, that book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb, the first five chapters are the best thing that's ever been written on the development of, of physics in that age. And, and and the people that were involved in that, uh, uh, Krebs was also a big friend of Niels Bohr. Really? Wow! Yes. I didn't
2: realize that the physics guys were as connected with the biochemistry guys back then because
3: ab- our bodies I, are biophysical, right? <laughs> absolutely. And Krebs, uh, uh, Bohr, uh, as you know, did uh, quantum mechanics. And, and uh, he talked to Heisinger, who the Germans wanted to have make a nuclear bomb. And he said it would be immoral for physics to be turned to such purposes. Yeah. Within three days, he was on a boat going to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and then the British put him in a bomb bay of a bomber and flew him to England where Krebs met him. And the oxygen tube came loose. And Krebs thought they'd gorked him. They thought, Here's this brain, and we just destroyed it. Oh, no. But he, it didn't. He it, it came back, and they were friends uh, really for the rest of their lives. And both of them received the German poor Le Merit. Now, Krebs and Bohr were the only ones that opposed taking Germany and turning it into a pasture. The Americans wanted to say, listen, these terrible Nazis need to be destroyed, <laughs> and all their industry goes. And Krebs, whose father was killed by the Germans, because he was a Jew, on the other hand, his mother, his stepmother, lived for five years in Germany, was hidden by a German citizen. So he didn't feel this way. Not all Germans were raving Nazis, and he and Bohr are the ones that prevented Germany from from being essentially agriculturalized destroy all their science destroy all their industry and he had a lot of a lot of flack from that but it was clearly the moral thing to do i mean uh, he was after world war ii what lincoln was to the civil war you could have destroyed all the southerners but the better course would be to reconcile them and so it wasn't just his science it was his
2: borrows. He was a humanitarian as well. Wow, that, yes. this is, these are things I did not know, and I'm fascinated to learn this. Yeah. You've also done some work with General Petraeus around traumatic brain injury. I mean, oh. You have a pretty amazing history here. Tell me about that.
3: Well, my, my son is a, was a physician at the VA, and he, was, he went to a meeting at the VA to hear about traumatic brain injury because at the time, about 60% of our casualties were due to IEDs. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the notes from the meeting, and it was just nonsense. It was just garbage. It was a whole bunch of people standing around trying to get money from the army, and they had (laughs) nothing to do except getting money. And it was just... And this annoyed me, because Petraeus, he's a PhD from Princeton, and he sat through, in the middle of the Afghan war, he sat through this whole meeting of nonsense. And so I said, well, that's just intolerable. So I wrote a paper on what the cause is, how you diagnose, and how you treat it. And I sent it to him. And he, at that time, would, had left the army and was head of CIA. And I got a letter, a very kind letter back from him. Oh, uh, because Petraeus was shot in the chest at, uh, from in Kentucky. And the surgeon that operated on him was trained by George Cahill. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I got a letter back from the said, director of CIA, and the stamp on it said "love," <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very amusing—a love stamp from the director <laughs> of the CIA. I'm sorry he left because he it was a another friend of mine, Doctor Newport. Uh, Mary Newport. Yeah, oh, she's
2: been a guest on the show too. Tell me about her. Yeah,
3: well, well. Uh, We were at the Cosmos Club, and I saw General Petraeus at another table, so I took Dr. Newport over and introduced him.
0: Uh,
3: And he said, well, uh, uh, we've made a lot of progress with traumatic brain injury. And I said, General, you've made no progress whatsoever. (laughs) And and I had my tie clip on, which is an Oxford tie clip, and he looked at that, and he said, where is that from? I said, that's Oxford. He said, well, not everyone can go to Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great guy! That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he he really is very, very, very bright, uh, and uh, he understood what I was saying. And uh, but that's the reason I wrote that paper. There, DARPA, the whole reason we got money to do the ketones came from DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Administration. NIH would never, never has given money for this kind of metabolic research. But DARPA wanted it because they wanted to improve the performance of their special forces. Yeah. And I uh, and I uh, read this stuff and I told – I went to see the man that wrote it. And I said, well, I don't know, Dr. Blitzy, I don't know who wrote this, but whoever did is full of crap. And he started laughing. And I, he, I said, well – he said, well, I wrote it. I said, well, not totally full of crap, just half full of it. And and he said, all right, what would you do? So I wrote him a three-page thing and said what I would do, and he gave me $10 million. Wow. That's a a good scientist, because most scientists get bent out of shape when you tell them full of blood. He didn't. And and we learned in that, my colleague, Dr. Clark, who's in Oxford, found that not only could the rats run more efficiently, on a, on a treadmill, but they, their maze performance increased, so we, we were able to improve the mental capacity, the metal functioning, mm-hmm. the maze performance of these rats. Now, she's also studied Olympic athletes, and they can row uh, faster, uh, well, longer. Ketones don't do anything for sprint performance. If you're running the 100-yard dash, it's not gonna do anything. If you're doing the four forty or better, it's going to help you and and and, and uh, the same well it, it's it, since it's a mitochondrial substrate, it doesn't work for sprints. Any knows that, but it will work for bicycling or rowing or those long distance endurance sports
2: There are, are certainly a lot of uh, triathletes who use uh, the the bulletproof coffee idea which is a, a way of getting some ketones in because you feel a difference. I, I'm not an endurance athlete. I don't even think endurance athletics is particularly good for you. I, I pl- <laughs> I, I'm planning to hit 180 if, if, if I'm lucky, uh, not miles an hour, that's years. And uh, uh, so I, I'm kind of careful of my mitochondria, but I I do see that, that in every day there's a certain amount of endurance that's involved if you're going to operate at your maximum capacity. It seems like it seems like a noticeable difference to me.
3: You know, and, if you just look at the general question of aging, which is what you're talking about, the, the, the cardinal theory in the generation of aging is, uh, is uh, free radical damage. Yeah. This has been known, and I just told you that ketone bodies abolish a large part of the free radical damage. Yes. And not, not only would that work in aging, but that would work if you happen to be next to Fukushima. <laughs> it's the same process. Uh, it also lowers the cholesterol. It decreases the blood sugar, and it uh, increases your histone deacetylase. It decreases the the inflammatory reaction. So many of the hallmarks of the aging process are addressed by like ketosis.
2: There's something a little bit scary about that, though. Uh, There are studies that show for things like exercise, if you take antioxidants, specifically like vitamin C, vitamin E, the the traditional orthomolecular antioxidants, that you don't put on muscle. Like the the damage, the the short burst of uh, uh, pro-oxidant activity that comes from exercise causes a, a response in the cells where they generate more SOD and more glutathione and things like that, that if you suppress that, you don't get the muscle growth, you don't get the repair.
3: Do ketones do the same thing as these other compounds? Well, first, let me address the question of taking antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ingestion of antioxidants like vitamin C, if you remember, Linus Pauling was a big exponent of this. Krebs wrote in several letters about this. And finally, I saw the last letter he wrote, and he said to Dr. Pauling, please quit writing about that which you do not understand. Really? This is fascinating. (laughs) And the reason you can't change the redox state by feeding antioxidants. There's a, a whole lot of people that eat Q. All you're doing is in, increasing the total pool of Q. You want to change the ratio of Q to oxidize Q. The, the redox state of ascorbic acid is controlled by the NADP system. So the only way you can control the redox state, the only way I know, is with ketosis. You must or with glucagon. You must reduce the NADP system. All these other reducing agents are nonsense.
2: I have a couple other compounds that are shown to change the NAD plus to NADH ratio in a favorable way. And two of them are in my my core products. There's upgraded aging, which is oxaloacetate. uh, And the other one is uh, a unique form of PQQ. Uh, These are Interesting, in that they're they're messing with basically ratios within the Krebs cycle, but they're not classical antioxidants like vitamin C. Oh,
3: no, the, tro- the problem if I can
2: say so. Yeah, no, I'm very. It's getting
3: as oxalate is it has it's a dicarboxylate, and it's hard to get inside the cell.
2: Okay, very, there are
3: very few uh, dicarboxylates that get in there. Now, the re- virtue of ketones is they're monocarboxylates, they go in really easy. Mono- yeah. They go in real easy. Now, in Q, uh, I I just already addressed that issue, and mm-hmm. that is by increasing the pool of Q, you needn't change the ratio of oxidized to reduce Q. You merely increase the total amount of Q. Now, that, for an energetic point of view, let's say you're trying to increase the delta G of ATP, you've got to oxidize the Q and reduce the NAD couple. And that gives you a greater, that's all done in the Sato paper, which I'm sure you've read, or if you look at it again. I'll look at it again. I okay. don't remember that. Well, it's, it's got little pictures. It was, they were done by my colleague, uh, Dr. Kashawaya. Okay. And he's, his pictures are much better than all my blather. <laughs>
2: well, I'll put those pictures, or at least a link to the paper, <laughs> in the, the transcription of this interview. Can yeah, you explain it, for people listening, uh, a lot of them are driving their cars right now, and they're not biochemists. What is Q? Uh, in the, the way you're talking about it here,
3: Q Q is the the mitochondria is simply a redox motor. So it starts with the lowest redox state cofactor. It's called, which is a vitamin. It's called NAD. Yes. And 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 you, you you so the electrons are accepted. All all you are is a uh, is a fuel cell. So you're taking electrons from the substrate you're eating and. Combining them with water to make energy. That's what that's what you do. Now the first step in that transformation of energy is going from NAD to Q, and so the distance, the distance, the redox distance between those two couples is what determines the delta G of ATP. So you want to widen that distance. Now, if you're eating fats, say like a, a, a Atkins diet, you reduce NAD which is good. You're reducing that, producing more NADH NADH to NAD ratio, but you're also reducing Q. So that doesn't give you that increased span. You've decreased the span and therefore your energy is lessened. So the the magic of ketones is it reduces the first one while it oxidizes the second one. I don't know anything else that does that.
2: In my entire you know 20 years of trying to get my brain back and and working on losing weight and all, I've never found anything more important than ketones either. And I, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my own <laughs> my own system, and I've found things that move the needle. But this is like a, a 2%, a like a two percent, a five percent, or like now I know the number, a thirty eight percent. Like, well,
3: don't whoa. don't feel bad. <laughs> I've wasted 30 years doing this. <laughs> oh, well, you, you have, don't feel bad.
2: <laughs> I don't feel bad I feel fortunate because I, I you know I, I used to have all kinds of problems that I, I've largely resolved. I don't think I started out biologically that strong, but I'm better now at 43 than I was at 23, and, and that's not right. normal. But you, right. you, you've done something else that, that I really wanted to zoom in on, and something that I, uh, I've never talked about this before, but three years ago, uh, I did pay to have a ketone ester synthesized. And it was shockingly expensive, and I got one tiny little vial of it, and I, uh, and I, I said, this is really neat. I have no idea what it's going to do to my liver. Like, <laughs> I'm going to take it. <laughs> but I, there was no conceivable way I could think of to sell that stuff because uh, I didn't know I could make it affordable. So I, this was one of those, it's a really neat idea, but it's not doable. And he, here it is three years later, I find out you've been doing all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, with ketone esters. And can you talk about what is a ketone ester versus the, the way that I, I generate ketones now? Like, like, what is it? What's going on with that stuff?
3: Well, ketone, as you know, ketone bodies are, are an acid. They're beta-hydroxybutyric acid. So if you're fasting during the day, you make 150 grams of ketone body. That means if I gave it to you as the acid, I'd be giving you 150 moles of acid. Well, that's a little bit too much yep now, if I gave it to you as a sodium salt I'd be giving you 150 grams of sodium now your cardiologist would shoot me you're allowed <laughs> to have you'd have three grams so I need to give you 150 grams so the only thing you can do is give you a beta hydroxybutyrate with a compound called 1,3-butane dial of the proper isomeric structure, mm-hmm. the R form, and join the two together where they hydrolyze it in the body, and so you can get by without either giving you excess acid load or increased salt load, and that's what we've, we've done. Now the next question is how to make that cheaply. That
2: was the problem. The stuff was like like thirty thousand oh, dollars a pound the way I was making it. I
3: I know that. <laughs> And that you can't go to the drug companies. They're right. used to making a pill. You really must go to the agricultural producers. This is a food. And so you must produce it. Not only can you not go to Korea or Japan or India to buy the precursors because you don't know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the story of tryptophan, yes, with eosinophilic myalgia, MIT killed 47 people with that stuff. So you really cannot. Use that. But if you start with glucose or corn or or sugar cane, you know what you're starting with and you know what you're going to get out. And you also have the capacity to supply, let's say, let's say you want to supply 5 million Alzheimer's patients. You would break the government. You, You must get the price down. Yep. Way, way, way down. And the only way you can do this. Is with the tank car quantities. This is not a pharmaceutical.
2: That's exactly my point with uh, with the brain octane. Uh, I I I want to put that stuff out there. I'm anything I can do to get it more affordable because it's the most important thing I know. But you're telling me there may be another another way to do this, which is why I'm super yeah. excited. How, how do I get yeah. tanker cars of ketone esters? Are we that close?
3: Uh yes. Okay. We know how to do it. There are men that know how to do it. I mean, they're they're chemical engineers. Okay. I'm not a chemical engineer, but they make tea t- tank car loads of this stuff. They make Right now, they're making ethanol, which is worthless. Yeah, a waste of it corn. Costs, yeah. as if, that's right. They're, and they're making high fructose corn syrup, which is uh, just makes people obese.
2: So, so we could turn that same corn, that we're, we're, we're basically destroying our soil to make corn, we could take that corn, and instead of turning it into diabetes... You could make ketone esters. So... Now, if you're for people listening to this right now if you understand the implications of what we're talking about you should be pissed off
3: <laughs> a little bit yeah yes uh but businessmen are mainly motivated by profit and true. they're also extremely cautious and when you tell them something new the ketone body the delta g of atp they have no idea yeah. what you're talking about they absolutely none oh well, they they just don't know and so eventually this is gonna to have to be done because the government can't afford it costs eighty thousand dollars a year to keep Alzheimer's patients in diapers. And and, and the government can't afford that. Even the government can't afford this. So we're going to have to do this. Well,
2: the the interview with Mary Newport on Bulletproof Radio, I think she was number 47, if I remember. Like, we're at around 300. So this was a little while ago. She was just talking straight up, you know, how she worked with her husband. And either you have it or you go on a ketosis diet, you increase ketones in the body however you need to, and then you don't have the symptoms of Alzheimer's. Uh, my, right. my grandmother, who works on the Manhattan Project, she's 94. And... If I can get ketones into her body, and she uses brain octane stuff, she watches calculus videos on YouTube for fun. Like that's awesome. (laughs) And then when she doesn't have that stuff, she kind of like, you know, she's just not herself, and she kind of, you know, sits at the retirement community and and doesn't do what she would normally do. And and I, I, you know, I I value that. I think it's important.
3: Absolutely. Okay. Dr. Kopar's right. I mean, this guy couldn't live without when he, you know, he could go about. Well she's written about it in the paper and uh, yeah so uh, you improve his behavior the same is true with parkinson's and parkinson's uh, it, it's easier to see because a parkinsonian many of them have just terrible tremors right and well these tremors go away
2: well so ketones turn off the tremors in parkinson's That's they turn off a lot of the the brain deactivation in Alzheimer's, you're saying Yes. Uh, yes. What about ALS? I I have a good friend. uh... We
3: would like to treat that. The problem with that, it it, it's like Parkinson's. It's a free radical cause disease. But if you start treating an ALS patient and he and he gets better, let's say you get him off his oxygen tube, you can't stop. We had we could make enough ketone ester to treat Mary Newport's husband, one mm. patient, unless we get industrial collaboration. Yeah. So there's no way we can start ALS until I've got firm supply because you can't go back and say, well, Mr. Jones, you did a lot better. We're going to put your trach tube back in.
2: Yeah, they're not going to go for that. And, uh, <laughs> oh. uh, it, one of the, the things that, that is, there are correlations with all these, especially ALS, uh, is uh, neurotoxin exposure that is mitochondrial poison. Uh, These are environmental things made by Mother Nature or made by us, but they inhibit mitochondrial respiration, and then people get sick, and they're they're fat-soluble toxins, and they mostly come from uh, either algae or toxic mold, and I I know in my case, a lot of my symptoms, I grew up in a basement with stachybotrys, which inhibits mitochondrial (laughs) respiration, and like, okay, so I I did a documentary about the dangers of water-damaged buildings, and and I see correlations all the time, and, and with ALS, very specifically the, the algae-derived toxins. But if you can fix mitochondria by using ketones instead of using glucose, you bypass the damaged part of them. And when I go out of ketosis, when I stop using brain octane, I don't have at least 0.5 in my blood. I, my brain doesn't work the way it does now. But like, so every single day I do bulletproof coffee. Every single day I do you know, not, not too much sugar because... I lose my ability to function the way I do now, and I'm not going to go back to that. But I, I think I have some maybe permanent damage to my mitochondria from toxin exposure, and I think our friends with ALS are dealing with something similar. I don't
3: yeah, know. You know. I just, I just, for the reasons I said, we haven't even you haven't even that. got you can't, on. Well, I mean, I'd love to do it, but until we have a couple of tons in the back room, well. I, I, I can't do it.
2: Well, maybe, maybe there's a way to help. If, if I can, I, I will. And we can talk about that after the show. But, but this, is, this is important to not even just like the countries, um, the country's future, but like the whole world. Like we have so many people who are aging that this isn't a problem we can ignore. And I don't think it's a problem the drug companies can can solve because if they try and solve it with drugs, no one can afford it. It, it, it's got to be a food-based thing, and, and it looks like you've got something pretty special here. And and let's talk about it a little bit more. Uh, what about ketone salts? I mean, there's companies making ketone salts. Uh, what uh, we talked a little bit about how you'd have to have huge amounts of sodium, but you can get magnesium and potassium and uh, and Fine. and things like that. Uh, what what happens if, if you try and use ketone salts to maintain ketosis? Well, uh,
3: you know, if you you can't give that much magnesium, and so you end up. Disaster pants. Get, uh, yeah, you get too much salt in. You're, you okay. calcium and potassium. Oh, potassium will kill you. So you really left with sodium. And and the advantage of ketone salts is they they have a very good taste. The problem is you can't get adequate levels. The so, KM to get in the brain is five millimolar. You'd be lucky to get point one with the ketone salts. So, so. And furthermore, the ketone salts that are being sold are or racemic mixtures they're not you the only ketone that's effective is the D form the DL is completely different in metabolized and beta-oxidation and so it's actually harmful and so uh, you can't and it's done for convenience of manufacturing you know it's cheaper to use the racemic salt well uh, fine but the, the effects are uh, not only not true but uh, uh, could be
2: harmful. So, so for, for listeners right now, in biology, there are, are different, uh, basically different shapes of molecules. One's a mirror image of a molecule. And when our bodies make stuff, they make one image. And when we make it in a chemistry lab, we get half of them are the natural image and half of them are mirror images. And if you take the mix of those two, it has a different effect than if you use only the natural one. So what Dr. Veach is saying here is that basically you're using a a mirror image of a ketone salt that would be helpful and that that's a problem. And for manufacturers like me who make supplements and foods, uh, it it is much more expensive to filter out so you only get the natural ones and you throw away or recycle uh, the ones that are unnatural, even though they they might be harmful, they might not be harmful, but they get in the way.
3: Yeah, well, when you hold up your hands, you're giving the perfect illustration. Those are racemic. Those are racemic. They're mirror images of each other. And, and and the body will use one, but not use the other. Or if it uses the other, it will use it in a pathway which is different than this pathway. And you may get unwanted consequences from using this pathway versus that pathway. So okay. in general, using racemic, it's an extremely rare Compound where racemates can be used. The body is okay. very definitely handed.
2: So your your recommendation then, if, and I'm, I don't put words in your mouth. So tell me if this exact recommendation is that people don't use ketone salts. Yes. Okay. No.
3: Don't use them. All right. That that's you a, can't get a high enough levels. Okay. And they're they're gener- and they don't tell you what they are. Uh, they don't tell you if it's the D or the L. They just say beta hydroxybutyrate. Well, fine. <laughs> Okay. So the answer is no. Those are on sale, and you can buy them. And uh, my recommendation is don't touch them with a ten-foot pole.
2: Okay, I, I've certainly tried uh, various ones, and I, I do feel a little bit of energy, but I also feel uh, usually a bit of a headache. And I've seen some studies on on liver function that, um, that were concerning. Is that something you pay attention to?
3: Yes, of okay. course, and I uh, we're testing it again, but it's my impression that you could actually precipitate uh, Parkinsonian crises by giving these racemic salts. Uh, uh, in other words, you're interfering with the metabolism of the D form. You're interfering the penetration of the D into the brain. The, they're competing for the monoclebox like so you're inhibiting that, and you're also metabolizing the isomeric form through beta-oxidation, which, is we go back, reduces Q, which is not what I want to do. I want to oxidize.
2: Wow. Okay, that's pretty scary on, on the ketone-salt front. If a company came out with one that was only the D-form, what would you say?
3: Well, how, how high can it get? You're still you saying there
2: would just be too much salt and not enough ketone? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I hear what you're saying there. So you might get a slight bump, but... Well, let's talk about salt then, because if you are in uh, in ketosis, because you're eating, say, like the Bulletproof Diet, uh, where it's, since you go into ketosis much of the time, but not all the time, how much extra salt do you actually really need?
3: Well, you don't need all that much. What you do need is potassium citrate. You need to supplement that because when you're ketotic, you decrease the urinary excretion of uric acid. So if you're in ketosis for quite a while, you can elevate your uric acid and actually precipitate gout. So it would be a good idea if you're ketotic either from your uh, bulletproof or any other means yep. that uh, that you go to the vitamin shop and buy 50 milligram capsules of potassium citrate and e- eat those because that will allow the kidney to excrete the uric acid. So How much that, potassium citrate for the average person would you recommend? Oh, 50, gram, 50 grams, maybe uh, once you twice mean a day.
2: Milligrams, right?
3: Is it milligrams? Oh, all right. Yeah. Where's my they, bottle? All oh, right. They only
2: be, sell 99, uh, 99 milligram capsules of potassium uh, All right, most then it's 50
3: milligrams.
2: But <laughs> okay, cool.
3: Are you sure? Is that right? Yeah, all right. Bill says it's right. Okay, cool. So I, I, I got a decimal. I slipped. Oh that that happens to possible. me
2: a lot. I uh, that that's okay. That's a normal science thing. I think that's why the Hubble telescope didn't work the first time. <laughs> Actually that was unit but, conversions, but anyway. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, so but that's the only salt that I think you need and okay. the idea that uh, and and not everyone needs it. Particularly males are more subjective to so females might not, but you need if you're all, if you're going to get ketotic, you need to periodically watch your uric acid.
2: Yep. And you can do that with a urinary test strip.
3: Yeah, Yeah. for uric acid, that's right. Now, what's your favorite
2: test for ketone levels?
3: Oh, only the blood tests matter. So you can either, the urine tests are worthless. Why why are they
2: worthless? I mean, they're they're not nearly as accurate, but they're better than nothing, aren't they? No. No. (laughs) I love how blunt you are. Okay,
3: why (laughs) why are they not better than nothing? Because uh, they don't tell you at all what the blood level is. They just tell you how much is in the urine. And one is made by uh, Abbott. It's called <clears throat> Precision Extra. Yeah, I have that.
2: actucheck Nova.
3: There's a Nova, and uh, Frank thinks it's good. I've I've calibrated the Precision Extra, and it it calibrates pretty good down to point two millimolar. Yeah. But uh, I, I, and he thinks, yeah, that's pretty good. And the other advantage, of the second form, the NOVA, is it's
2: cheaper. Oh, I, I haven't tried that one, but my Precision Extra one, I, I literally, I, I did this test. And granted, N equals one and, and not well-controlled, and all, but I'm a biohacker. Like, I'm, how am I doing is the most important thing.
3: Yeah, so, so I think you should test that. I,
2: Absolutely. I did. So I, I ate like a pound of sushi with white rice for dinner, okay, out of ketosis, <laughs> right? Next yeah. morning... Empty stomach, fasted you know, from, from dinner before. I put two tablespoons of Brain Octane, a tablespoon of butter, and I blended up my Bulletproof coffee, and I drank it and a half hour later, 0. 0.6, right? And that's very good. That was enough for me to go, okay, my hunger's turned off, and then the CCK and, and the, the ghrelin numbers changed, and it, that's not nutritional ketosis, though. That's only 0. 0.6. Getting, you can go up to 7.0, so I'm at 10% of that, but it, well, that much it matters for me.
3: It depends what you're trying to treat. Okay. If,
2: what What are the different levels? Like what matters?
3: Well, almost? if you're if you're trying to treat Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. I I go to five. The, the higher is trying, better. Okay. If you're trying to treat Parkinson's, I've got a sick guy with 16 years of Parkinson's, and he gets his tremors stop at point three.
2: Wow, that low point three. Okay. Yes. So, so that's 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 <laughs> relatively amazing. achievable. I mean that that's. If I can get someone to point 0.3 with the, the, the existing stuff on the market, like I, I'm not very good at what I'm doing.
3: Oh, that's right. It'll ruin your business, but that's all right. I'm just
2: saying it's good. Like, point 0.3 yeah, is well, so he easy.
3: He, in fact, uses the formula which you developed. That's what he uses.
2: Oh. <laughs> God, it just makes me happy to hear that, that that people are no, people are it benefiting makes, that way.
3: He's, you know, he's on maximum Parkinson's med. He's on dopa, carbidopa an MAO inhibitor, uh, MCOT inhibitor, and and uh, he's here if you
2: want to talk to him. Oh, my
3: God, that's incredible. I'm so over here, Bill. <laughs> he's had 16 years of Parkinson's, and when he came to the left, he called me a year or so ago and said he wanted something. I said, no, I can't do anything. I can't do anything for you. We don't have enough stuff. Go away. Oh, no. Hey, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he kept coming back, and you'd have to go in the corner of the lab and jump up and down because of that spasm and it'd shake like a leaf. And Wow. And and you're 16 years with Parkinson's?
4: Yeah.
3: I'll tell him. And well, that... it's
4: been since 2000. Can you
2: hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. And and you're using all the Parkinson's meds and you're using uh, mild ketosis or maybe deep ketosis.
4: I would uh, be in Dr. Veach's lab and I'd go stand in a corner, jump up and down, try to do anything to get rid of my dystonia. And I had a whole lot of trouble concentrating. I had to have somebody drive me to his lab. Wow. And he he got tired of me uh, um, just having all these symptoms. And he had received an email from Dr. Seifried. Is that who? Yeah, and he was saying, you know, if you try this bulletproof coffee recipe with the Kerrygold butter and the uh, cream and the stevia and the uh, coconut oil...
2: Yeah, you know, the brain octane oil probably, or are you doing just plain coconut
4: oil? Well, Seafree sent the recipe with coconut oil. Okay, got it. So that basically it's, it's a, a coffee with fat in it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so I tried that, and I kept track of uh, all of my symptoms, and every hour I would ask myself the question, did I have this symptom in the past hour? And at the end of the first day on that coffee, um, I looked back, and across about, eight different symptoms there was only one that it didn't pretty much uh, help thoroughly yeah. and that was the uh dyskinesia that's uh caused by the medicine and uh well let me and are you still using that today yes i have uh, started taking more of the uh mct with it um let me let me send you some of the brain octane because We've got a
2: study that's coming out. It hasn't been published yet, but it's it it appears to do about three times to five times more uh, ketone uh, production than you'd get from from coconut oil or MCTs. So I, uh-huh. th- that's why I put it in in the official bulletproof coffee recipe because it's like it, it, it the, the the numbers show there. But I'll send you a bottle of that just to try because I'm 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 stoked to see anyone who's had Parkinson's for 16 years who's using a higher fat ketosis generating thing. But let me see if I can give you a little boost there. That's great uh, well uh congratulations on your on your success That's amazing. What an incredible uh incredible outcome i, I i'm just I'm blown away It's so cool uh let's see what else was I going to ask you? okay without the ketone ester uh, form that you're that you're working on, and the one that i I figured out was thirty thousand dollars a pound the way I was trying to make it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's why I had one dose of it because I'm not made out of money, right? <laughs> um, what can people do today to raise the ketone levels? Like, what do you recommend if someone comes to you and says, "I, you know, I have a metabolic problem, or I just I want to be an athlete? How do I get my ketones up?"
3: Well, I, I probably tell them what I told Bill: go away. I, 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 <laughs> or, <laughs> he came to the lab, so I had to. He wouldn't go away. Yeah. But. Uh, what we really need to do is what you said. We need to get production. The problem with recommending a high-fat diet is that you certain patients will get uh, uh, incre- increased blood cholesterols or increased LDL. And the last thing you want to do is precipitate a myocardial infarction some of these people. For instance, at NIH, you know you treat epileptics with a high-fat yeah. diet. They won't give a high-fat diet to any patient over 17 years of age, and they won't do it for fear of cardiac
2: complications. It seems a bit ridiculous given some of the newer uh, science coming out. I mean, Mark Hyman, Cleveland Clinic, uh, there's so many big things coming out saying it depends on the kind
3: of fat, depends on what else is in the fat, is the fat damaged? Uh, I can send you the paper from Johns Hopkins, from yeah. and that's the Mayo diet, and that says that you elevate the cholesterol and when the cardiologists hear that, oh, they, you quote all the papers you want to, they don't
2: want to hear yeah, you. Yeah, they don't want to hear you, but, but the, the newer papers are saying that cholesterol is, is not what they thought well, it was, well,
3: right? Well, well I, I, I could agree with that, but I, could, I would simply say that, if that you don't want to willy-nilly raise people's ketones by fat without keeping an eye on their blood lipids.
2: And, and their inflammation too,
3: right? Like, yeah, like, uh, that's right. And so, uh, you know, I, the per current uh, country runs on statins. Yep. <laughs> and and uh, that's you're not going to change that. And so, cholesterol is a bad thing, whether it actually is or not. What,
2: and <laughs> what, what I what I found is is that. When people go on, on the specific bulletproof diet, which is a set of protocols, it's, it's not a product-based thing, it, it's a, a, a lifestyle, that they're increasing specific kinds of fat, but not all fats, and they're avoiding canola, they're avoiding the omega-6s that cause arachidonic acid and, and other inflammatory things, and they're not deep-frying anything the way Atkins would have allowed, so you're not getting damaged fats. And when they do that, and they avoid certain other inflammatory compounds and foods, mostly basically protective elements in plants that are hard on us, that their cholesterol levels may go up, they may stay the same, they may go down, but very predictably, triglycerides plummet when you do this. You're not eating fructose, so triglycerides go down. That's pretty easy to understand. But the markers that I pay the most attention to, homocysteine, C-reactive protein, and uh LPPLA2, which is a marker of damage to the arteries, those guys drop. And if they don't, we have a methylation problem that you can address with other things. But so in the majority of people, like that's what I expect to see. And if you're not doing your labs, you have no idea what your fat's doing to you. You have no idea if the diet's working. But if you do your labs, where the problem is now if inflammation is most important, we dropped inflammation, everybody wins. But if cholesterol is most important, if it did go up, if you're one of those people where it does go up and stay up, a lot of people goes up then drops. But, okay, then what do you do? Well, my inflammation just dropped, my cholesterol's up. Which one's most important? In my world, inflammation's most important. And uh, if I can't see any damage to my arteries, then I'm probably not going to have a myocardial infarction. But, man, there's debate about this. It's it's very fair to say. That's a framework. Your
3: problem, as you know, too much biochemistry, and and the doctors do just certain tests, and they don't think about all (laughs) (laughs) homocysteine. And and so, you know... uh, you're you're not preaching to the choir, you're preaching to a band. (laughs) Okay. And and, and so the, uh, uh, all the things you mentioned about inflammation and these C-reactive protein are, of course, extremely important, but those aren't what Merck makes money selling statins. Yeah. (laughs) They they push statins forever.
2: (laughs) It's true. And I, I, what I'm looking at is, is I'm, because the Bulletproof Diet has, has sold a couple hundred thousand copies and it's in four languages, uh, I, I feel very solid in my science. I, I live this stuff. My, my wife, my kids, my whole family, like we all do this. And I track the numbers and I, I, I believe it. right? But I, I don't want to be self-deceptively believing anything. So anytime I get a chance to talk with someone who, after you worked with Krebs, uh, if you poke <laughs> holes in that theory, I'll tell people about those holes because I, I believe it's really important. And we can do this without drugs and we can use drugs selectively. Uh, drugs are not a bad thing. They can save lives. They have saved lives. They've also taken lives just like food poisoning has taken lives. Like, like it, it's food isn't good or bad because some people die from it. Uh, but I, I don't want us using drugs when we should be using food. And I, I it's just a bias. And certain
3: things you can do only with, I don't call them food. I call them substrates. Yeah. There are certain substrates that are essential and, uh, and uh, it's not easy. I I don't know of a way I could make those changes in mitochondrial energy production by using pharmacologic agents. I can only do it by changing substrates.
2: Well, in in my world as someone who had, I believe, mitochondrial damage and a lot of metabolic dysregulation and inflammation and just uh, autoimmune conditions, uh, uh, Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, all those things I've had, mercury poisoning, uh, and to be sitting here today, I do everything that I can find in a paper that says it's going to increase my mitochondrial function. I do infrared light stimulation, uh, UV exposure, all sorts of weird stuff, uh, cryotherapy. Uh, basically, I stack everything in my favor because I plan to live a long time and I like to feel good. But, uh, but very few people do that. And, and I have to say... Uh, the, the number one thing that's made the biggest difference in my energy is getting my ketone levels up, not up to seven. I, I've only done that a few times, but just up. And I'm also not treating one of the diseases that you're treating with that stuff. I, I, I'm just looking for it. But you gave me the number. That The number is 28%. I think earlier we were saying 38, but it, it's, uh, it's that's right. It's 28%. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, I do, now that I hear that number, I, I remember looking something about number of electrons. This goes way back into the early days of, of what I was reading about. Uh, something about just the the number of the uh, amount of calories per gram of fat versus calories per gram of carbs. You're going to eat a gram of something. You, there is more energy in in fat, but we're saying is from Absolutely. ketones specifically. There's a different effect. That's twenty eight percent.
3: Well, when you eat fat, it's true. Diesel oil has more uh, calories per gram than sugar. Yep. However, when you're doing Burning fat, you're going through beta oxidation. So one reducing equivalent goes to NAD and one goes to flavoprotein. So you've already lost one third of your ATP in that step. Go back to your Leninger. Okay. And beta oxidation, you do one NADH, you do one flavoprotein. And you do that to keep from blowing the mitochondria up.
2: Right. (laughs) Physically blowing it up, right?
3: (laughs) Well, I just like too much energy. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, you're running. You're running the voltage across your mitochondrial membrane for four electrons is about 140 to 160 millivolts. If you got it up to 180, you'd hear a bunch of pops like popping a condenser. You can't <laughs> you can't put that much voltage across a my it's only a lipoprotein membrane. It, so, yeah. <laughs> and it, you can't put that much voltage across it. It'll blow up. It's don't kind of, look
2: at that. Uh, it's kind of like a car. If you're running nitrous oxide in a, in a drag car, <laughs> you're going to blow a gasket somewhere. It, it, That's right. So that, it, yeah. it, is there a risk of this? This is something I've asked myself when I go to sleep at night, and I, I don't actually spend any time worrying. I, I've hacked that. But I think about stuff, and, and if I've maximized my mitochondrial function so they, they, they burn cleanly and, and I, I've basically moved the ratios so that I'm making the most energy I can, one perspective is that I'm going to wear them out. And, I, and the other one is, and the one I favor, but I, I don't have great data on this, is that I'm less likely to get cancer if my mitochondria are running at maximum capacity and I'll probably live longer. It, am I making a fundamental error there? I
3: don't think, I don't think so.
2: Okay. I, I appreciate your perspective on that because I, some of this is unknown. I, like, I don't know anyone who's spent 40 or 100 years of their life in mild ketosis pretty much every single day, but that's what I'm going to be doing. I've been doing it for the last 10 years. I'm not stopping.
3: Frank, who you talked to, he uh, is uh, quite interested in making himself ketotic, and he can give.
2: Who is this? I must have missed the one before Frank
3: that. Frank L- Yosa, you've talked spoken to him. Okay. Uh, one of your assistants has, and he, he can get ketone levels of up to eight, which are, is uh, that's high enough. He <laughs> get up to I,
2: eight, and he's doing that just with fat, or how's he doing that? I, hey, Frank. Uh,
5: so I'm my family's vegan and we don't need to go into the debate on vegan or not but, don't need to debate yeah, i that. used I used a bulletproof uh, c8 yep. in the morning so I was experimenting with different amounts of uh, mct8 uh, with coconut oil seeing how high I could go and seeing if doing it after an overnight fast uh, and I was down in the you know the one and the twos and he was freaking out. Like, how are you able to do that? But (laughs) I kept on tweaking it. And the other day I sent him a message saying, Hey, my ketometer has something nice. It wants to say, hi, (laughs) we maxed it out eight, eight. And he goes, go eat an apple. (laughs) So I ate, I ate half of a pear to bring it back down, but I hit high twice. Um, but I've been right now I'm probably like, like 5.5 and it's on a vegan diet. So it can be done. And it's not a, uh, it's not a ketogenic diet either. It's just, um, oh, so
2: you're not doing a low carb, so you're eating some rice. And I'm some absolutely stuff. doing, oh, it's, I'm absolutely
5: doing low carbs. So, so, so I'm doing
2: lots of green vegetables and lots of brain octane,
5: basically. I'm just, I'm just, uh, yeah. So I'm not, I'm uh, just removing bread, pasta, chips, uh, just, you know, those basic ones okay. that are oftentimes a staple just off the table. And then just a lot of avocado, um, you know, macadamia nuts, uh, walnuts, you know, a lot of nuts, uh. Coconut flakes is my favorite thing at yep. night if I really need something. It's got the the, the crunch, um, but I'm still eating hummus. Wow, black beans. Yeah, You're I, I can some
2: carbs. Okay.
5: If I get a, if I get a chip and I have, I have to do a huge hummus on it. Yeah, so the hummus you know is and still in you there. Like
2: you make the hummus yourself with brain octane in it or no?
5: No, I I do. So I my first experiment was just the morning and then checking my levels at different intervals uh, afterward. But then now I've started actually incorporate just a squirt of it at lunch, just a squirt of it at, at dinner time, and I used to be conked out. I yeah. put <laughs> I put the kids to bed at 8 p.m. and you know you lay down with them and it's like I'm out, and then it messes up my entire sleep. But then you know with playing with the m- with the MCT, it's been a noticeable difference. I'm not conked out at nine o'clock. There are so.
2: there are more than a few vegans uh, using brain octane. I was a raw vegan for a while, and and by the way, people think I like hate on vegans. I don't like. I, I've been a vegan. Like I I, I want to not kill animals. I also want healthy soil and and all that stuff. But yeah, if you're going to be a vegan, I think having some ketosis involved. Like, like masses of avocados and and macadamias, and uh, that was actually a, a lot of what I did when I was a raw vegan. I wasn't fully ketosis, but I was like, I, I'm going to die if I don't get fat, like because my right. me- metabolism was wrecked. So it's it's amazing that you've hit eight. You're you're the highest yeah. ketone vegan that I've met so far. And uh, the one trick that
5: I that I found was because obviously there's a GI problem with the MCT eight if you take a little bit too much. I've been able to get up to four tablespoons at one time with a one tablespoon of coconut, and I and I found that. The moment, exactly 22 minutes later, I feel a twinge in my stomach, I take five macadamia nuts and it goes away.
2: It, the reason that I recommend not blending just Brain Octane and coffee is that it causes GI distress. If you put another fat with it, it it solves the problem and butter is the other fat.
5: Yeah. I did the 4 MC. Well, we can't do the butter because of the yeah, vegan. Yeah, so, right, right. So I did the Macadamias. 4 C8 C and... And one, coconut oil. So mm-hmm. that was a little bit yeah, of the, little longer. And then the macadamia nut, 22 minutes later, the moment that I start. Because otherwise, I was running to the bathroom and it's, you know, who can get to the bathroom faster. And, and,
2: and four tablespoons of brain octane is a lot. And, and yeah. the reason... That
5: I'm now down to one or two. Okay. One or two now. Yeah. And I just got, he made me get my cholesterol levels. He kept on yelling at me, saying, like, get your cholesterol checked. And it just came back 105. 105? Um, That's
2: like a little too low. Do you have any testosterone in there?
5: Of the, of the LDL.
2: Oh, of LDL. Okay, cool. That wasn't total. I was like, man, you're, you're going to die.
5: Okay. No, no, no. So.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations. You're, you're doing something right. And, and one thing about the, the brain actane versus MCT, MCTs, especially the, the 10, is is very disaster pants promoting and when you get to just the eight you can tolerate a lot more of that and you get more ketones per unit so yeah, the increased yeah. bowel tolerance and the, the increased ketone levels equals okay that's why it's in there i, I would tell people just use coconut oil if it worked
5: yeah right? the, the c8 is more expensive but if you're actually breaking it down like per ketone it's probably cheaper it is cheaper it's per actually you have to take two to three times as much yeah. just just kick you know so it, that's my it,
2: and i get all pissed off when people are selling lauric acid as an mct because it doesn't actually raise ketones the way actual biological MCTs do, but that's a whole other debate. So.
3: All right, I'd just like to say one thing, that I, I wouldn't like a lot of what Frank's... Frank is smarter than the average brown bear. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he also talks to me once every day or two, and he monitors his level. For the general public, what he's doing is probably... Uh, not to be recommended. It, it, uh, it, it, it's it's
2: like, on the outer edge of of experimentation.
3: Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it, it, I I watch him. I don't think there's any harm himself, but I wouldn't want that to be uh, put out as a general.
2: No, I, as a general, I,
3: I a, a safer thing is use the get the ketone esters made that you can regulate them. You can eat what you want. He he has a very extreme diet, and he also knows a lot well, uh, <laughs> and he follows his diet so it's i, I wouldn't recommend what he it works it worked he's shown me a lot of things i didn't believe could happen but <laughs> i wouldn't want to recommend it
2: there's a role for for biohacking where you're like okay this is my belief system these are my goals and and different people have different goals and if your goal is i don't want to ever kill another animal you got to make sure that all the vegetables that you ate didn't kill animals in their production which is a harder thing to do but, okay, Let, let's say girl, so then you pursue that goal, and you look at all the biological and metabolic effects, and we might learn something new from that, and I, I support that uh, 100%, but I I also wonder if, if we're, right now, probably between a quarter and a half million people are going to hear this conversation, and I, I would be bothered if a lot of them said, I'm going to go on a uh, essential high-fat vegan diet right now because it's the way to raise my ketones. There are many ways to raise your ketones, and I, I'm not sure that I'd recommend that as the the most anti-aging, long-term, least inflammatory, uh, most <laughs> studied way to do it. But uh, here's an example of someone who pulled it off, right? That's and that's cool.
3: Remember the first rule of a doctor is do no harm. So I really don't want to kill patients, uh, as I tell my yeah. students. I don't mind killing the administrators but I uh, <laughs> I have I have problem killing patients. So. Uh, I think that uh, a little uh, Frank is a bit extreme in what he's doing. He can do it, but uh, yeah. I don't know anyone else. I've never seen anyone else do it. Let's put it that it, way.
2: It, I've not heard of someone hitting those levels, especially oh, with I carbs present. Know. But it's it's cool. He's got some tools. He's working on it. Now we're coming up on the end of the interview. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, but I there's a question I want to ask you and and you might have some of the most interesting answers of anyone I've interviewed because I've asked every guest on the show this. And given all the things you've learned in your life, not just science, but all the things you've learned, if someone came into your office tomorrow and said, Dr. Veach, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being. Like, like I want to kick more ass at life. What are the three most important pieces of advice you have for me? What, What would you say?
3: Well, number one, Keep your weight down. Don't get overweight. To uh, exercise, uh, you know, in moderation. And I think the third thing is to enjoy yourself. I think a, a healthy attitude uh, is a very desirable thing. Now, I think in the long run, maybe we'll come back in a little while and say we should perhaps be ketotic, but we don't have that evidence yet. And uh, so that, thats for another uh, another edition.
2: I, I love it that that being ketotic wasn't one of your top three. <laughs> that, that's really cool. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. I mean it, it's very important, but not for. It has not been established that long and happy life is results in ketosis. It may be true, but we don't. We have not shown that yet.
2: Uh, I will do my best to show an, an equals one example of that because I, I feel so <laughs> crappy when I'm not in mild ketosis that I'm not willing to go there. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, uh, of course, you know, the starvation, uh, caloric restriction was very popular. And uh, the man that I, I forget his name, but he was in California, he the, died. At a,
2: it wasn't Bill Falloon. He's still alive, right? Oh,
3: no, I forget his name, but he died at about 72. So it didn't didn't you know, work. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so, uh, but as I said, if you look at the, some effects of heat on ester, on cholesterol, on blood sugar, on inflammation, on energy, on cerebral function, and general strength, you're talking about many of the hallmarks of the phenotypes of the aging uh, thing, and particularly the free radical.
2: This is, uh, this is profound stuff. I, I've had an amazing, uh, amazing time. I've learned a couple things I didn't know about, particularly around the, the salt levels and ketone salts and around the radioactive uh, free, uh, free radical protective effects of ketones in the body, uh, particularly around radiation. These are things that I, I just didn't know about. And God, I feel like I read all the papers, but <laughs> there you go. You, uh, you actually do read all the papers then. So uh, th- thanks for your work, Dr. Veach. You know, 47 years of looking at this uh, is, is remarkable. Is there, uh, is there something new on the horizon after ketone esters? Like what's next for you?
3: In, right now, our main problem is to get to produce okay. in quantity at a low price.
2: Well, I, uh, I will support you on that. We're going to have a conversation afterwards about that and see if there's something I can do to, to move the needle for you. And, and thanks again for your work. And I look forward to having you on the show again in maybe a year or so when you made some progress.
3: Okay, thank you very much.
2: If you enjoyed today's show, you know what to do. Like send it to a friend. Go on to iTunes and click uh, like or uh, give it a good review or whatever it is you do on iTunes. I, I forget there. Or better yet, if you want to actually see what Dr. Veach looks like and, and experience the video of this, Head on over to bulletproofexec.com YouTube, and we'll hook you up with our YouTube channel, so I'll let you know every time one of these things comes out on YouTube. I appreciate you listening, and uh, while you're at it, pick up an extra bottle of Brain Octane and some Bulletproof coffee beans, put it in your morning coffee, pour Brain Octane on your sushi the way I do. It tastes pretty good, and just get your ketones up a little bit. I, I, you might feel different if you do it. I'm just saying. Have
4: an awesome day.